Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I get to be here with Natalie Hickson um, to talk about destructive anger. And before you go off running, it, it's going to be a really good conversation. Um, I'm excited about it. I know that sounds strange to be excited about talking about destructive anger, but this is something I have shared on the podcast that I struggle with is just a burst of anger and interacting with people that I care about in a way that I regret later and, and speaking to them in ways that I just really wish I could get a handle on and have been working on. So Natalie, thank you for being here and, and just for sharing some of your wisdom with our listeners. Absolutely. I'm just as excited. Anger is absolutely something dear to my heart now, and I love talking about it and helping mamas work through that. So I'm honored to be here. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Natalie is a Christian coach who helps discouraged and burned out Christian moms to overcome destructive anger so that they can enjoy being a wife and mom. And that just warms my heart. That just makes me, (laughs) makes me excited to hear. So before we dive into your story and your message and the things that you do, we like to ask all of our guests, what your favorite prayer closet is? Where do you go to feel close to God? Yeah, well, currently I am in it. Uh, This is a closet that was made into my office. It's off our bedroom. And uh, this is where I come to work and praise. (laughs) So yeah, I I spend my time in here every morning reading and praying. And there is another closet actually in our bathroom where I will go and pop my earbuds in, put it on uh, noise canceling and pop the music on and just sing my heart out. And I try to stay away from my family so they don't have to listen to that. <laughs> but that's where I will, you know, and sometimes just end up on the floor crying in that closet as well. But yeah, there, it's, it's literal closets. <laughs> you have literal closets. I'm in a literal closet also. Mine doesn't look as cool as yours though. We just recently <laughs> kind of redid this so my husband and I could share space. I'm still trying to figure out how feminine I can make it and how much I can decorate it because he gets seen too so yeah I'm kind of got this like stark white background but I'm aiming for something a little cooler in the near future but um but that's great I love that um I love that your family probably does hear you I just love the fact that your kids your husband I bet they are blessed by hearing you worshiping and I don't know I think those are the things that our kids will take with us with them Mm you know, long after they leave the house, they'll think, yeah, mom used to just totally get her jam on to worship music <laughs> and you know, just that demonstration of, of worship. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to hear about your story and just, um, what led you to begin coaching women on this topic? I don't know if I've actually heard of a Christian coach with this very specific targeted topic. And I, I love it. So what led you to begin coaching women about how to overcome destructive anger? Yeah. Um, man, if you would have asked me back in the day, I did not, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't want to grow up and be a, a life coach who worked through anger. Cause I had no idea that was a thing even, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll just start with my story and we'll kind of end up in that place. Uh, I grew up in a family that the anger was shared in a destructive way. It was screaming, it was yelling, it was slamming doors. And I just thought that's how anger was processed. And 
Uh, fast forward to dating or getting married to my husband. We were high school sweethearts, but when we got married, he didn't yell. <laughs> like, wait a minute. And he, you know, and, and we've been dating a long time, but it just wasn't something I thought about until we were in the same vicinity. And I'd start screaming and yelling and slamming doors because I was so angry. And he's just sitting there silent, turning inward on the couch. And I'm just like, why aren't you yelling back at me? And because he was passive aggressive and uh, that's how he experienced his anger and mine was obviously different and so it was at that point I started to recognize huh maybe this is not quite normal and I can even remember talking to my mother-in-law about it too going I, I just don't know why I'm so angry and but I didn't know that I could fix it right I didn't know there was anything I could do to work through it I just thought that was who I was and that's how I processed anger So we lived with it until my first child, our first child, Enya, was born. And when she was about two, you would find both of us on the floor throwing two-year-old tantrums. Like, literally, it's not pretty, but I was on the floor screaming, crying, throwing things with her. um, And my destructive anger would leash leash out on her where it would be... um, squeezing her arm too hard, spanking her when I was angry, just raging at her, throwing things around her. It was very, very scary and abusive in that time. And again, I knew there was a challenge, but I didn't know that there was a way to work through it. Mm -hmm. And um, so we go forward a little more and bring her, her sister home. And I can remember a time nursing her sister, Skye, and Mike's putting Enya to bed and he's in another room. I'm in a room with the door shut, but I hear Enya just throwing this epic tantrum and I'm sitting there getting more and more upset as it's happening. And finally, I just let out this huge scream of shut up to Enya. And Sky, she stops nursing. She looks up at me with this horrific face and just starts bawling. And she was just a little infant at that point. Uh, and I, at that moment, I was like, okay, something has to be done. But again, at that place, I'm still thinking, I don't know that I can do anything with me, but we could fix Enya, (laughs) right? If she would just stop her tantrums, I wouldn't get so upset. Mm. And so we ended up taking her to therapy and the therapist observes her and talks to us. And then she meets with us alone. And she said, you know, Enya is a perfectly normal child for her age and development. And I'm like, well, that's what you see. You're not at home with her. And the therapist's like, yes, I understand, but Natalie, you're the one who needs to be in here to see me. And it was that moment where I'm like, wow, okay. Um, And I took it and I I know that the Holy Spirit was the one helping me through that. You know, the Lord is bringing me through this journey Um, in that moment. I didn't resist it. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy to hear. It was definitely frustrating to hear, but I knew deep down inside, I was grateful that somebody was finally saying there's help. And we can work through this. And so fast forward, four years of therapy, I learned a lot about myself. It wasn't Christian counseling. It was just psychoanalysis in that moment. Um, And I learned a lot about stuff. I learned a lot about patterns, a lot of things, but I still left therapy four years later screaming at my kids. And so it was beneficial and it kind of got the ball rolling for me, but it wasn't that I was still in that destructive place with those patterns. Um, So I just continued in my journey with the Lord and praying and 
tried different businesses during that time, online businesses, wanting to be a work at home mom, just trying all the different things. And he led me to Christian life coaching school, which is where I was able to apply uh, so much of what I had learned about myself to understanding how we can work through this in a biblical way. So uh, I learned a lot in, in coaching school about myself and grew there. So beyond that point, as I continued to grow through that and the Lord was bringing me through this journey, I just started, he started showing me ways to work through the anger. And we'll talk about some of those tactical things in a minute, but I noticed things were starting to get more calm around me and um, I wasn't so scary around my kids. And in fact, my, my middle and my youngest don't even had never really even experienced the anger that my oldest did and so it was really impactful to watch that progress and it wasn't until I was with some friends um, and another mutual business friend that we were talking about our motherhood journeys and we were talking about anger in general is what came up and she's like girl you need to come on my podcast and talk about this stuff and what you did and how you're working through it and so I did. And then the rest was like basically history. That's when I knew this is where I need to be and where God led me. So that is, that is such a powerful story. And just for you to be able to share that, because I think that, you know, for me, I've shared a little bit with our listeners or in blog posts, just about how, you know, my, the way that my destructive anger looks is I get frustrated and I don't have that guard on my words and the way the things that I say um, and, and from actually, well, we'll circle back to that later, but from taking your, um, uh, what is it called? Trigger tracker that you had. Mm -hmm. I got your trigger tracker. I signed up for that. And by going through that, I kind of realized that many of my triggers are when I'm frustrated at myself, Mm -hmm. I lash out at my family. And so um, anyway, but it's scary to share some of these personal details about like, you know, I, I picture the, the good Christian mom is so peaceful and serene and tranquil. She never speaks an unkind word. She's, she never raises her voice. And this is kind of this picture we paint of what we're supposed to look like, mm-hmm. but when we're in the trenches of the day to day, it doesn't always look that way. And so I think it's important to be real with ourselves and not be afraid to acknowledge it. Cause I think the key to you being receptive to counseling was understanding that there was something off and you needed help with that. And I think sometimes it's hard to admit to ourselves or to other people that we need help or we need to take a step toward becoming more healthy. And, and I think what kind of spectrum do you see? What would it look like in the day-to-day for someone listening? That's like, I don't know. It could my anger be considered destructive because um, I, I think there is a broad spectrum. What could it look like in your day to day? What kind of anger Absolutely. would you consider destructive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I define that in my coaching as we have destructive anger and we have healthy anger and the healthy anger you would think more of the righteous anger. Right. Uh, but I look at negative emotions in general. We look at all of those and we go, Hey, why are we experiencing this negative emotion in the first place? Mm-hmm. And that's where the healthy aspect comes in, where we look at negative emotions as a speed bump. Okay, I'm feeling this. It's okay that I'm feeling this. It's normal to feel this. 
why am I feeling this and what do I need to do about it? That's what negative emotions are for. They're there for us to stop and tune in and go, okay, something's not right. We need to take action. How are we going to do this? Right. But destructive anger is where we have basically, like in my case, we learned uh, patterns and behaviors on how to react in a destructive way because we didn't know any other way. Right. And so the def- the definite the definition between the two the way I define them is destructive anger is we're raging we have completely lost it um, to a point where I can remember in my rage I would go off and then I would kind of like come back into my brain and go what did I just do I just totally lost control uh, so there's raging there's slamming doors there's physical abuse there's breaking things um, belittling. Um, silent treatments, these type of, of behaviors, and and really the focus of these behaviors is to control the situation, yeah. and and try to manipulate the situation to protect ourselves is what we're trying to do. And um, we're afraid, we're insecure. Uh, something's not going the way we want it to, and so therefore we must let we sh- unleash this rage to make sure it happens and. Um, be bigger and more powerful in that situation where in most cases that just doesn't even work out for us right (laughs) so um, but there's that and then there's the regular I call totally normal mom anger right you're frustrated you're irritated or you're raising your voice because you're worried that someone's going to get hurt or nobody's hearing you you know you so you have to get their attention so we raise our voice or we have a sharp tone those things are normal mom things, right? But it's that that other piece where we are actually using our anger that's destroying the relationship. It's not trying to help prevent anything or work through something. Well, and I think the key that you said was losing, kind of losing control. And yeah. and I I tell my I I kind of jokingly call when I kind of lose control of my emotions is mommy temper tantrum, where basically I'm yelling at the top of my lungs at my kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like when I get to a certain threshold, then I just kind of let it go. And I'll say things that I wish I hadn't said. And I always go back and say, I'm sorry about this. And I would say it's something that, that it's a, a journey at this point that I'm still in the middle of. I can't look back and say, I'm over it. I'm, I'm past it. Um, but it is something that I recognize as damaging to my kids because what I'm doing is modeling how they should process anger. And that is a concern of mine when I do have these moments. And I, even when I come back and say that I'm sorry about it and that this was not the right way to act and I'm, you know, working on yelling less or whatever it is. Um, I do believe that there's an element, uh, a residual element that's going to teach them how to process their own anger. And I I honestly don't see it as much in my boys. I do see it in my daughter who's younger and maybe because of her personality, you know, I just see, we have to sometimes work through the way that she processes anger. Um, because I kind of see some of myself and the moments that I, that I end up just kind of having the mommy temper tantrum, although she is seven. And so it's probably like you were saying with your daughter, although your daughter was two, but you know, when you have these, these moments, when kids are acting out, 
that's more of a normal developmental thing with them than it is for us. So I don't know, but all of that to say, what are the lasting effects on kids and can we catch it and reverse it? And is there a point at which it's too late to reverse the damage that we've done with how they're processing anger when they see us losing control and having these temper tantrums or going beyond that and, and having other um, more destructive things happening in the home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm of the opinion that it's never too late. Um, our God is gracious and he's merciful. And if, if our children are alive, we can restore the relationship, even if they're not even living in our house anymore. So there's always a turnaround point and that takes taking responsibility for our actions and um, going back to our kids and saying, Hey, I'm sorry, I blew it. And uh, let me just take you through what I call sit and pray and recovery. And this is something that my clients work through and learn. And it'll kind of help you understand some of that, of the question you just asked too. Mm-hmm. So with sit and pray, um, it's, I guess it's called an acronym, <laughs> sit part. And what I tell my clients is when you start to feel the emotion, when something's starting to irritate you, that's when you need to stop, breathe, So inhale and tune in, right? And then pray. And it's not necessarily all in that order. As soon as you start to feel upset, I want you to start breathing. Why? Because breathing calms down the nervous system. It literally, we have a bone in our brain that moves back and forth when we're breathing and it massages the pituitary gland, which sends out the hormones to release, um, uh, relax us, right? So we're breathing and that starts to take us down a notch. As we're breathing, we're tuning in. We're going, okay, what's going on here? Why am I upset? It's okay that I'm feeling this emotion. Let me get to that in a minute about feeling bad for your emotions. Um, It's okay that I'm feeling this right now. Why am I feeling this right now? What do I need to do right now? And the, the stop and is kind of stop and separate. And, you know, most of us would know that as timeout, but I teach my clients, let's not use timeout as a consequence. Timeout is something that we need to learn to use to just calm down and teach our kids, okay, we're all feeling emotional. We need to calm down, take a step Mm -hmm. back. So that's go to your room. That's go to another place in the house. That's go sit in the corner there in in, in your calm down space, wherever that is. And if you've been using timeout as a, as a consequence, then change the word it's calm down time and do something like that just to show the kids, okay, we're going to calm down and we're going to tune in and find out what's going on. Are we hungry? Do we have needs that are unmet? Um, so it's just kind of that processing moment. And it it sounds like a lot at first. And, and at first when you're learning it, yeah, it's steps. But like at this point, me doing it for so long, it's just habit. It just click, 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 click. Like through the through your brain, you just have learned a new pattern mm-hmm. in your in a pathway to go through in your anger. And so that's that point. And then when we come back for recovery or meeting up to talk about what's going on, that's when, if we did experience destructive uh, anger, we tell our kids first, before we say anything to them about what they did, we take responsibility. Hey, you know what? I threw that across the room because I was angry. It was okay that I was angry. It's not okay that I threw that across the room. Uh, So please forgive me for that behavior and my loss of self-control, you know, and you're talking to your kids about that and, and you offer that to them and encourage them to forgive you if, you know, depending on their age, you know, you're talking through this and then you talk about them. You must've been scared or you must've been angry in that moment, Um, helping them put words to their emotions 
and then discussing their behaviors and what they did. And if there needs to be a consequence for anything that happened, that is, um, after we've offered forgiveness and talked through it and we're calmed down, then we can talk about consequences. I also like an element of touch in there with the kids, um, whether it's a hug or a hand on our knee or arm over the shoulder, whatever it is, just kind of acknowledging to the children that, hey, it's okay that we had emotions. I still love you no matter what. We're just going to work through this now. And it's after recovery at that point that consequences will make more of an impact on our kids than if we're offering consequences in the heat of the moment. And my kids know today that if I get angry and I threaten, you're losing your phone for a week, you know, because I'm frustrated about they're sassing off to me or something. They know mom's upset. That doesn't fly. (laughs) We're going to work through this. I'm going to get a consequence for my behavior, but that's not, you know, so I, they just, it's an understood that if I ever say anything like that, it's just out of frustration. Right. Um, so that's how we work through it. And I, I tell my clients too, we're not here to get rid of anger. We're here to process it in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and show our kids how to work through anger in a healthy way. And they'll come to me while we're working. And I tell them before we even start, you're going to get upset while you're working with me and beyond. And they'll come like, oh, I yelled at my kids today. I'm so upset. I feel so bad. I'm like, yes, you yelled at your kids. That's awesome. How are we going to work through this? What was going on for you? And that's where we go into the trigger tracker, right? We, mm-hmm. we sit and we process through a trigger tracker. And why were you like this? What are we going to learn from this experience and move on? We're not going to sit here and wallow in our self-pity and guilt because of it, because we've gone to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness and he covers us in that. And now we're going to look at that experience as what can we learn from this so we can grow and teach our children how to process anger in a healthy way. So it's, it's all set up in a positive way um, to work through anger and model this to our kids because our kids are going to grow up and they're going to get angry. So if we can teach our kids now through these experiences that we have at home in a safer place, um, how to work through these things, and we give them a huge advantage as they leave and grow up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that looking at one of the things that I think makes me more upset when I find when I feel, you know, the the anger welling up is the idea that not only not only am I out of control of the situation, whatever it is, but then you have this double load of I'm terrible. I handle anger horribly. I'm never going to get out of this. And you wallow Mm -hmm. in it rather than what you're saying, which is just like what the Bible says, you know, there's a, oh, I hope I don't butcher it. There's a, (laughs) uh, there's a worldly sorrow that leads to death. And then there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance and life. Mm -hmm. And so if we take our failures in the area of processing our anger, well, and healthy, healthily, um, if we take that and, and use it as a stepping stone to moving forward, I mean, that just really changes everything so that after an event that you have to ask forgiveness for that, you can say, Oh, but what am I going to learn? This was actually a gift in disguise because I can take this, I can pick it apart and dissect it and I can use it to become more ready when the time comes, you know, the next time when I start to feel these things, I, and that's where I'm getting to the place now where I think I can sense when I'm about to get upset 
And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't mean that I always avoid it um, or that I always process it right. But at least, you know, when you start dissecting these things and I've never done it to the extent of what your trigger tracker says to do. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to go through that in more detail because it really is a powerful tool, I think, to figure out what is leading up to this and Mm -hmm. looking at things in a different way in the moment or before it happens or after to be able to react better. Can you talk about that trigger tracker and what it looks like and kind of how you use that as a tool um, in -hmm. more detail? Yeah, the trigger tracker is asking you to dissect a situation that you walk through. And I, I always tell my clients, hey, when you go through the trigger tracker, I want you to have space between what happened before you fill that out. So I want you to have some time that you're calmed down. Don't fill it out right now when you're in anger. And, and it's okay if they need to look through it and kind of, you know, as they're processing. But when they submit it to me, it's something they've sat down and they've distanced themselves and they're looking back at the situation from a bird's eye view going, what was going on for me? Was I hungry? Was I hormonal? Were the kids sick? Were we in this crazy pandemic or something? (laughs) You know, it's like, what's going on for me right now that I'm feeling this way? And so we, we ask those questions. I, um, you, you say what you did you kind of just write it out. So you're kind of reflecting on what, what were the actions that I took during this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I move you through to this, what do you want it to look like next time that you are triggered in this way? You know, and so what we're doing is we're reflecting on what we did, why we got there, how we got there, and then what kind of vision do we want going forward in working through these, these triggers um, when they come back up? And um, what they're doing is creating more awareness. And so the more that we sit down and kind of look at these situations, then we recognize when we start to walk into these triggers, we recognize, wait a minute, am I hungry right now? You know, is that what's going on? Or are my kids hungry right now? I just use that as a simple uh, example. You know, I didn't realize that every day at three o'clock, we probably should be eating a snack because that's when we get triggered. You know, I don't, you know, it's just one of those things. There's so, there's a range of things that you can use that trigger tracker for. I've even had clients use it for um, processing miscarriage. It's just processing those negative emotions Mm -hmm. um, and understanding because the more awareness that we have around it, the more we can tune into that Holy Spirit. You know what? We, we spend that time with him every day. And we want to hear him. And if we just keep bulldozing through our day and don't stop and just check in, um, what are we doing? We're, we're not listening to the value, the value of what God has given us, right? And that's something else that's hugely important and impactful in my journey. And it's a requirement for my clients as they walk through my program that we are spending time in the word every single day. We have Mm. to know what the Lord is saying. We have to be praying. Um, And he's who helps us in those triggering moments. It's nothing that I've created. It's nothing that I've done. It's all the Holy Spirit's prompting. And the closer we are to him, um, to the Lord, the easier we will hear him in those moments of anger And if we walk through the anger, we still have that moment of, I need to stop and I need to apologize and take responsibility for this. Yeah. And I love how you made the contrast between going through counseling and coming out with a piece still missing and then realizing that God had to be the element that 
that was mm. added to the the journey because you know the holy spirit needs to be part of this so what is that um what would you say is the balance so i know part of destructive anger habits or pathways has to do with simply bad habits wearing bad neurological pathways in your brain um some of it like you said is physical you might be hungry you might be hormonal you might be imbalanced um but then there's another side of it that's a spiritual heart condition and heart issue can you separate the two of those and say how much is one how much is the other or do they work hand in hand or can you address one but not the other and have success i believe honestly that yes we have we have our flesh right and our flesh yes our brain has created literal pathways in our brain on how we function the regular things that we do every day <clears throat> we have and the thoughts that we have, we, tr we go down this little trail. And what I explain to people when they come and talk to me um, is what we're doing is we're taking a shovel and we are digging a new pathway in our brain and we're throwing dirt on the old pathway, right? And we're asking the Lord to lead us on this path that we're learning. And so we are really creating new pathways as we learn new behaviors and how to work through these things in a healthy way. So there's a physical element to it in that way. Um, spiritually, I don't think that we have this sustainability. I don't think that we have, um, it's just like you were saying, when I went through therapy, yeah, this is great. I'm learning how my brain works. I'm learning why, you know, I've, I've really taken a look at my history and how my parents are and my generations and all that but I'm still not having the self-control I need. Well, where do we get self-control? From the spirit, the fruits of the spirit. And, and that's not something I remember as a young Christian, I'm like, okay, I have Jesus in my heart. I have the spirit now. I thought that meant that I'm supposed to be patient all the time and <laughs> gentle. Nice? And, yeah, right. And what I discovered as I continued to learn um, and walk with the Lord is, Yes, he plants those seeds and he gives us the spirit, but we have to use, um, we have to grow those seeds. We have to spend time with the Lord and be fed by him and let Jesus shine on us, right? Those things have to be grown and developed and we have to go through trials to make them stronger and healthier, just like a garden um, and our plants and all those things. So that's something that we have to grow. It's not something we just have and we all of a sudden have this ability. And, and there's a reason for that. If, if God just gave us all of this just easily, what, what would we have to lean on him for? Right. We would start to think it's all on us. And we see many times through the Bible, whenever somebody started to think it was them, God's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's me you have to rely on. I will protect you. Can't remember who, I can't remember the exact story, but it was the army, you know, where he's like, I need, you know, have all these people. He's like, no, you have too many people still. Send them away, send them away. It was like 300 people. Who am I? I can't, total brain. I can't remember who it is, but then God helps him attack, attacks these, this huge um, enemy with like 300 men. Um, I can't remember that story. Why is it totally blanking in my mind? Uh, but I'm just, the point is we, we can't do things on our own. We have to rely on him. And that's how we get through these, um, these times. And I'll tell you, one of the things that's so important to my story is I look back and I'm so grateful 
for all of it that I've experienced. I'm so grateful for um, having to go through that time with my oldest daughter. And I'll tell you what, she knows everything about it. She knows the story. I don't hide it from her. I've told her how destructive I was. And I've told mm-hmm. her, baby, if you ever, as you're growing, ever need to talk about it, if anything comes up for you in that, please talk to me. I want to work through that. I want to apologize. I want mm-hmm. to help you work through anything um, and get you the resources and, and point you in the right direction to what you need to work through any of the abuse that you endured with me. And our relationship my daughter, my oldest and I, I can't, I, it's so blessed. And this is where God is so faithful. He absolutely restores and renews and, and pours his grace out on us for being faithful and walking through the challenges, relying on him. Um, we're very close and she's a teenager. She still has teenagery moments, but it's, we're close and we have a relationship. I'm just absolutely blessed to have. Well, and because of you kind of working through your own struggles, you have tools now to equip her with, you know, because I think regardless of how we grew up, I think everyone, when stressed, when put in situations that are difficult, we, I think everyone has issues processing anger on some level. Um, Before I move on to another kind of line of questioning, I do want to ask you, so for someone listening that feels like they deal with destructive anger how can they know whether they can just go online and kind of help themselves with some of the resources that you have to offer and how do they know when they need to actually seek help because a line of abuse has been crossed? What, what are some uh, red flags that might say you need to seek professional counseling or coaching or something that will help you because you've crossed a line from, you know, having a, a, an outburst to doing abusive damage long-term? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, for me, it was absolutely just recognizing that what I was doing was hurting my children. And I would have thoughts of, I'm scared to send my daughter to swim practice today because if they see that she has a handprint on her butt, <laughs> they're gonna wonder about me. They're gonna take me away. I mean, it was those type of thoughts, like they're gonna take my children away. I'm far out of control. Um, it was just kind of those thoughts of, um, I'm scared. I'm scared of what I'm doing to my kids. I'm scared of hurting in my relationship. My kids are looking at me like they're, they're afraid of me. Um, I'm damaging this and it's praying and asking the Lord too. what, what do I do here? Um, if you're hearing this message, you need to ask the Lord, what do I do here? Lead me to the person that's going to help me work through this. Um, it's again, it's different than being frustrated because you're tired or um, your kids are whining. It's painful to listen to kids whine. You're going to get frustrated. You know, if you ask your kids 15 times to do something, you're going to get annoyed and you might raise your voice or you might have a sharp tone. That's normal. But when you're losing control and you are experiencing things that are scaring the family, um, throwing things, breaking things, slamming things, screaming in um, the other thing to understand too, I work with moms who have the uh, passive aggressive behavior and they may not experience the exploding. They may be experiencing not wanting to talk to their children for days, wanting to leave. Um, husband gets home and they leave for hours. Um, saying things that are not nice to the kids and kind of in a joking way or being snarky. 
but belittling them, those type of things too. Uh, if you just, you're basically looking at your motherhood journey, like it's, it's, uh, it's not joyful and you're depressed. Um, those are things to be looking for and understand that um, there's many moms who will sit out there and not say anything because they're afraid that if they do, they'll get turned in and they'll get in trouble and somebody will find out. And those are the moms that I really want to reach out to and say, you're not alone. Uh, many moms experience what you're going through and um, you need to reach out and say something before you absolutely hurt your kids in, in a really you know bad way. Um, there's hope for you and there's hope for your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what you kind of described was what I was going to ask you about. You know, we know about outbursts and destructive outward anger, but what was, what does it look like when you bottle up that anger? What are some things that can happen? Um, you know, because I could imagine that somebody who either has a personality that, that won't allow it to come out or has like extreme self-discipline that can really keep them from outwardly showing something um, like anger, what, what happens inside and what are the long-term effects of stuffing that down? And what could that look like as it progresses in, in a mom I think that looks for more like many that? people? Yeah. I think many people in that case, um, and, and I think everybody can experience what I'm about to say, but one of the things for people, especially who are not releasing the energy, um, they're tuning out of life. They're scrolling, they're drinking, they're shopping, mm -hmm. they're eating, they're becoming obsessive, um, they're tuning out, they're envisioning, um, and it's like I experienced everything, and I, and I feel like God has helped me experience everything so I could relate to everyone on, on so many of these things, but uh, I, I had fantasized about leaving my family and saying things like they'd be better off without me and I'd be better off without them. Mm -hmm. um, I would dream about, I used to want to go live in New York city and, and be away from here. And life would be so much better if I didn't have this family and wasn't stuck here. And, um, I missed my calling, you know, those type of thoughts would go through my mind. Um, I didn't want kids, you know, or just all the stuff, these, these thoughts. And I'll tell you, you know, something I just heard recently was like, Oh yeah, that makes so much sense. You know, when Jesus was, in his temptation, um, walking through the, the days of temptation in the desert and at the end, he was so hungry and the devil standing there tempting him to make food out of these rocks or whatever. Um, he's, he's weak in that moment and the enemy knew it. And it was one of the best times to tempt Jesus and thank God he didn't fall for it. Right. Yeah. But that's where we are. That's where he gets us we're weak, we're tired, we, we're exhausted, or we're over it, there's too much going on, we're overwhelmed, we have anxiety, and that's where Satan's like, I'm here, let's do this, let's, let's eat that cookie, let's scroll a little longer, let's go drink the alcohol, let's go shopping, even though you, you're being good with your money, you're trying to be good with your money, you know, all those things, or let's scream at your kids, it'll make you feel so much better if you just slam the door and scream at them, mm. um, that's when we give foothold to the devil, and that's in Ephesians 4, 27, for anger gives foothold to the devil, right, negative emotions give foothold to the devil, and that's where I say stop, you're feeling it, take a deep breath, 
tune in, pray, ask the Lord to help you work through this. Get that protection around you so you can work through this in a productive way, not a destructive way. Amen. Yeah. Well, I would love to keep talking to you and I, I know our <laughs> listeners would too. So where can they find you to continue the conversation with you online yeah, and absolutely. social media? So um, I, you can get a trigger tracker uh, and I have a link specifically for your audience. It's NatalieHickson.com, Praying Christian Women or slash Praying Christian Women. Um, honestly, I recently have jumped off social media. Uh, there's, so just going to my website or that link that I just gave you um, is where you will find me. Um, I have a blog up there and you can jump on the email list and where I'm sharing more tips and um, encouragement on the email list. Great. That is great. Um, let's see. I think we're going to just close in prayer. How can we be praying for you and, you know, whether it, whatever you want to pray for personal yeah. ministry, business, all, all of it. <laughs> um, my heart, I take it real seriously that um, I teach and I help other women. And so I'm always praying just for godly wisdom that I never lead anyone astray from his word or say it in a, in a way that's not true or anything like that. So godly wisdom and discernment is always on my heart for prayer. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, Natalie, thank you for sharing your story and just all of these, all of these resources and just tips on, on how we can recognize and deal with anger. I, I just really believe that this is needed. And just even talking about it, I think gives women permission to acknowledge the areas where we struggle. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's pray. God, we just come before you today thankful that we have access to the Holy Spirit, Lord, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that uh, are things that we can't just conjure up on our own. We thank you that we have access to wisdom from Scripture and that there's nothing that we need that you don't provide I just thank you so much for Natalie and her willingness to share her story with transparency and her passion to help women along in their journey to deal with anger in a way that would bring glory to you, God. We just pray for her. Um, God, we pray for her family, for her home. We pray for her coaching and just ask that you would anoint her and just give her, um, a filter, just a Holy spirit filter for everything that she says, God, I just, I love her heart for your word and passion for scripture and just pray that you would help her to just, um, never step outside of, of any of your truths to just continue guiding women in truth and with, uh, with confidence and passion um, just pray that you would allow her to remain connected with you so that her next steps are so clear. God, we just pray your blessing on her message, that you would open doors for her ministry and her message to go out to countless women. 
Lord, we just, um, we just ask that you would give her uh, every single thing that she needs to accomplish the tasks that you've put before her, that she would always know your priorities and, um, and just be used for your kingdom in mighty ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.